You are listening to Corellian Run Radio, your route through hyperspace to the latest news on Star Wars The Old Republic. This episode is brought to you by The Jump Button. No more shall your character be foiled by knee-high benches or gentle bumps in the terrain. With a simple push of the space bar, you are free to sail over short obstacles, leap into fountains, or simply traverse the planet like a bouncing space kangaroo. Please be aware that BioWare will not compensate for playtime lost due to motion sickness. Hello and welcome to Corellian Run Radio. This is episode 17 and we are recording Sunday, February 27, 2011. I'm Kathy and I am joined today by Carla. Hello, everyone. And Roxanne. Hey, guys. So how's everybody doing this this week? I'm doing great. I have been rifting away. All I have right. spent so much time in rift with the head start. Oh, I am having such a great time. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I've heard good things about that game. A lot of people are enjoying that. There are shinies everywhere. And for those of you that play Rift, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean. But for those that don't, shinies are these little orbs that are artifacts and they're hidden everywhere. And so there are shinies everywhere and they have... They're part of a collection of things that mm. you can do. Plus, they have, like, little hidden treasures hidden in the bottom of lakes. And they have little carns hidden on the tops of mountains. So they encourage you to explore. Yeah, that sounds fun. It's like Easter egg hunt the game or something. <laughs> it was. It was. And that's what it feels like. It feels like Easter or Christmas or <laughs> something. That's funny. How about you, Roxanne? Um, I'm, I'm doing good. I... I'm just getting back in, back into being able to play video games again because I was on a terrible, terrible task at work, which I was just like busy all the time. So I'm trying to catch up with my backlog of games, and I just start playing Dead Space Two again. I'm only about a couple hours in, so that's fun. Oh, fun! And I am the reason actually that we are like about a week behind. I think it's been three weeks since we did our last cast, but um, I had a family. Uh, death. So I had to go out of town for oh, about a week and that really kind of threw a crimp in our schedules and all that. So I apologize to our listeners, but it was sort of unavoidable. But anyway, we are back. <laughs> um, and with that, I think we, it's time for our host challenge. Fact. You know it to be true. Or fiction. That's impossible! I'm going to read three bits of information or three leads about the game. Two of them will be made up or not yet confirmed. Only one will be a fact confirmed by Bioware. Your job is to pick out which one is true. Are you ladies ready? Yeah, Roxanne, this is all on you, girl. Okay. <laughs> then we are destined for failure. <laughs> all right, here we go. Lead number one. We know that your first lightsaber will not be created via the crew skills system. Similarly, according to Damien Schubert, players of non-force classes will be making their first guns and other weapons outside the crew skills system. Lead number two. In the most recent community Q&A, executive producer Rich Vogel told forums user Luke that he should definitely be worried that force users will be overpowered compared to non-force users because achieving class balance is a bitch. <laughs> Lead number three. Instead of a formal presentation or panel at PAX East, BioWare will simply provide fans with an opportunity to play Tor because the company wants the emphasis to be on the game itself. So, after hearing all three leads, which one do you think is the confirmed fact? Woohoo! I know this one! I know this I one so too, afraid actually. I wouldn't. <laughs> I was so afraid I wouldn't. Well, I really liked number two. That was hilarious. <laughs> Number one is definitely wrong. And ding, 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 number three, it's got to be because we want to play. Yes, yes, that's right. I was a little disappointed when, cause that I, when, I t when I heard that there wasn't going to be like a, a big presentation or something. But, you know, I understand what they want to do, and I, um, it'll be great just to play the game. And that's all. That's mostly what I care about, so that'll be good. Um, yes, the, the number two, the thing about the uh, – that was just happened to be one of the community – community Q&A questions, which, which uh, 
some of them, I don't know, I wonder why they picked uh. these, but it just seemed like kind of a dumb question. Will they be overpowered? And, you know, what are they going to say? Yes, definitely. That's <laughs> what all the questions were, too. They were yeah. like, I'm worried about game balance. Will game balance be terrible? And it's like, where are you, what do you expect them to say? Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, oh, well. You were right to be worried, sir or madam. <laughs> and um, and the first question about the, so uh, Ask a Jedi actually asked Damon Schubert if, if, you know, because the Jedi classes or the, and the Sith of the Force users, I should say, on both sides, are going to be having the thing where they make their lightsaber, but it won't be a crew skills thing. He asked, does that mean they're going to be able to, like the other classes will have a similar type thing? And he said that guns and vibroblades, I can't remember, but he said those are going to be made in the crew skill system. So right now, uh, it doesn't sound like there's that the same, the same uh, little quest line for other people, so... Anyway, okay. And that's okay. Well, that gets us to the latest news and tour. From the Newsnet. And, and beyond. Okay, well, we've got several weeks worth of updates to do the last three Fridays, and we're just going to go through these quickly because I'm sure they've been beat to death. Um, the first one was on February the 11th, and it was about the Great Hyperspace War. The m most important thing that I think I got out of this, and I'll, I'll ask you ladies real quick because we're just going to skim through this, is that we wouldn't have had the situation the way it is today if the Republic hadn't been so Sith-like <laughs> and tried to annihilate all the Sith. What do you think? Yeah, I guess, are we supposed to believe that, like, this is like reparations at the end of the First World War, where, like, <laughs> you know, we slammed Germany so hard that they, like, you know, crippled their economy, and then that's how the National Socialists came into power, which... Oh, it seems weird to me, because the Sith are, like, completely evil on their own, and am I to believe that they became more evil or something <laughs> when pushed to the edge of space like i don't know yes i don't know we'll have to see but that certainly does seem to be a question that master noost in his timeline oh, master noost. yeah <laughs> so yeah, yep that smart. was that was the main thing i got from that also okay and then the next one was on friday february the 18th we had the studio insider and that is where we saw the concept art for the synth temple being designed and what led to changing the way it is or designing the way it is and how they came up with it and i thought that was very good i especially liked the mood lighting as they called it mm -hmm. that was kind of cool yep um and then we went um on february the 18th was the fan friday and that's where we got some of our little um, artwork and we've got more icons and just a bunch of other fan stuff going on did y'all see anything exciting you liked um yeah you know, it just seemed you know these are not my favorite episodes uh, favorite updates but i like that bioware features people so i that's why i like the fan fridays <laughs> it's a nice gesture to the community i think Exactly. Um, all right. Well, and in that same update, they had a community Q&A, which I, we touched on one of the questions. <laughs> um, and there were, you know, that was a, uh, one of the questions was, will it be friendly for solo players? And, you know, what are they going to say? They're going to say, no, it will, won't. Or, yes, it will. <laughs> so, you know, we, they kind of got the, the, the standard, it, you know, there'll be something for everybody to do uh, answer, which was not surprising. There was a question about changing faction. Can you, if you're going to, you know, can you go so far in the opposite direction of your light side, dark side tendencies that you could change factions? And they said, at this time, no. So, and I, they pretty much said no. I actually think that's kind of interesting because if you look at like every uh, lore update or every major storyline in Star Wars, they all feature a person who changes factions, you know, who like falls to the dark side. I mean, it's so, so common in the Star Wars universe. And then it's like, you know, they're kind of locking it out of being a, a gameplay element, which I understand because I think logistically it's probably really tough, but it's just funny because it's like, you know, I mean, really quickly, <laughs> trying to think of, like, how many people, like, are like, oh, and then they fell to the dark side. It, it happens because, like, I don't know, you, like, your shoe's untied, and you're like, oh, no, now, I, now I'm the Sith. <laughs> but are they? But are they? Because did you read the first three words? At this time well yeah well because they don't want to answer definitely forever um but it seems like a pretty 
They seem. That doesn't mean yeah. that it can't come in an expansion pack. It's yeah. true. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it doesn't it. bar that like three years out, maybe we can do it. But yeah. I think on launch, right. I guess. Right? Yeah, I, I hate to parse every little word, but yeah, that is what I thought also at this time. Aha, uh-huh, what does that mean? But it, you know, it might not mean anything. You could just set it that way. But yes, we'll see. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, but, and actually, Roxanne, did you notice that no one ever goes the other way? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, no one ever, like, becomes born again. It's like, oh, no, my, my I, evil ways. I have seen the light. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it are some of our listeners who have read but more of the other stuff. But actually, we did see that. Yeah, did we? I oh, was going to say, it must be Jeez. somewhere. Yeah, Just we not... did see that in one of our previous episodes that was um, one of the, um, I think one of the web comics did that, or one of the trailers or videos it was one of the videos that we watched. That actually, I was just thinking, actually, you know, in, in KOTOR, that kind of happens with Juhani, sort of. But that does I, that almost doesn't count, because she was, like, light side, and then she went to dark side, and then you brought her back to the light side. Oh, right. So. And that's what happened to this one guy in the in the video that we watched. Right. Is there anyone yeah. who's, like, a hardcore... I know, but that's because you're saving them. You're bringing them back to their original state. But is there anyone right. who's, like, a hardcore Sith who would, like... You know, something traumatic happens, and then they're like, oh, I'm going to, like, I'm going to build orphanages. I'm going to protect the I haven't the orphans. seen that. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners will come up with several examples. So if you know there them, you go. go ahead and post them in our forums. <laughs> um, all right, the other couple of questions were, what are the hardware requirements? And, you know, they were, you know, sort of general, vaguely general about trying to do the best for the widest part possible setup so that wasn't particularly helpful but okay and then the last one which i liked was the jump button uh because it's important it kind of sucks when you don't have a jump button and i when i <laughs> when i was playing kotor it really upset me that i was never able to <laughs> i don't know just hop around or get over that little tiny thing that was on the ground um <laughs> so yes uh that was the community q and a i think that was it Okay, and then that leads us to the spotlight on that same Friday update, and they um, spotlighted our friends over at Moss Eisley Radio. They were in the first fan site spotlight, and I have to say that Brooks and Zach definitely deserve the the recognition, and and being first, I was so proud for them. They Mm -hmm. are... They've worked hard over there, and I love what they've done with their new website. Um, they've changed it around, and, and it looks great. And they've added a video podcast, so that's cool also. Absolutely. And, of course, we love that they mentioned us, so <laughs> that was really a nice little bonus. Thanks, thanks, Brooks and Zach. We love you guys. All right, so let's just quickly wrap up this this February 18th uh Friday update, which and you would not be a fan Friday without the polls that they have. And they had two polls, which we will have links to, which one was where do you spend most of the time uh, on the forums and general one with 43%. There was no dev tracker option, which I think might've, might've gotten a lot of votes also. Uh, and then the second poll was which flashpoint are you most interested in so far? And directive seven one, which does not surprise me because it's the only end game one that we've seen so probably that's like a way that people are clamoring for more end game info um okay and then finally the february 25th update the most recent one was a developer blog from blaine christine who is what they call a live producer i guess and that was that was kind of fun he's his usual bouncy self and sort of jokey and just says he has to he basically, I don't know, he's like one of the people that oversees everything and makes sure, what did he did say that he made sure that you get that the, like, things that we, the players see, like the game testing, you know, make sure that the, the, the product that goes out is, you know, at the best that it can be and doesn't have the bugs. And um, and I think he also oversees the, uh, the did live services stuff. Did he say that, like, he stuff? coordinated stuff between design teams, too? Like, and understood their needs and stuff? Or is I think so. Happening? I really, he can, you know, he wants to make sure that everyone hears the feedback and can work on it. So, anyway, so it was, it was, it was a nice little blog, not huge, but, uh, but, um, it kind of an interesting little look behind the scenes with him. Um, and I guess that's, I guess that's it. He had a lot of testimonials from people who have actually tested the game. So there's a lot of people sort of saying how much fun they've had testing the game. Uh, anyway, go to the official site for that. We'll have a link and you can read the whole thing on your own. And 
that leads us to um, an interview from Ask a Jedi with Damian Schubert. And this is all about the crafting type system that is in place. And it talks about how you can send your companions off to do these quests, which we all knew about. But it also said the, the higher the risk, the more rare of an item you'll get. And, I mean, he just went on and on about more details on the crafting system, even though that there were a lot of questions about the crafting system that he left off and said more to come, I was very excited to read what he did give us. Yeah, um, it was good to hear about the crew skills or crafting system again, because we haven't for a while. Um, did you notice that one of the things he says was he talks about Oh, someone, one of the questions was, can your companions die when you send them out on a mission? It says, no, they're not going to die, but they might fail. Um, and if they fail, you will lose your investment, your capital investment. So I guess if you sent them with money to do something or materials to do something and the mission fails, then you will lose those items. I, I would imagine that the penalties won't be too great, but, but yes. Well, it says your initial investment, and he said, i.e. credits and time spent. Right. Well, time spent is understood, mm -hmm. but credits is money. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's like my money. Raw materials, do you lose those? Or? Well, yeah, it, I don't know. I think he doesn't specify, so... It says capital investment, so whatever. I mean, to me, that just really mainly means money. Right? Yeah, and I think I guess I'm unfamiliar with a crafting system that requires you to spend money, because usually isn't it just like stuff? Well, some of the you know like the missions part of the like if you sent one of the examples, you like bus said, fare or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um, but uh, no, one of the things is they they give an example of is going sending your companions somewhere to make perhaps bribe oh, right. a bureaucrat something like that That's i think that better. was one of the examples yeah, yeah. <laughs> than bus fare <laughs> but so so yeah that would be an example of where if it failed you would you would lose your money <laughs> um uh, yeah so i i thought that was interesting hopefully it won't be too bad and well and that about the what about the the morality system yeah. where it says that you know um you might send them to get you light side or dark side points, um, and they they don't think that it's going to be used, or they're not essentially allowing you to grind morality, mm -hmm. but they need something to be able to fix mm -hmm. some of your decisions if you made a bad decision earlier in the game. Right, so it doesn't sound like the kind of thing where you would want to do it all the time to try it, you know, but, it, but, but they are providing you a way to, yes, as you say, fix fix some bad decision. I guess somebody was concerned that, well, now all you're going to do is like, you know, you're just going to be able to willy-nilly do these missions. Yeah, or <laughs> I think they were worried that you weren't going to have to consider your role-playing choices because you knew that you could always just fix it right. by doing um, right. these missions. And they're like, well, no, because it's still going to be a significant investment. And it's just, it's, it's a mechanic that's in there so you can fix mistakes, not so you can totally balance out just being able to do whatever the hell you want. Right. Exactly. Right. Which, yeah, yeah, I can see. Yeah, it's. I'm so excited to play this game. I know, me too. I uh. It's gonna be. These are like things that are completely different than than what we've seen in other games. I'm hoping that that's one of the things that y'all will get to test. You know, is test the crafting system just to see how it feels. Oh wow! Um, yeah. How it, you know. I mean, even I if I can't think just... of anything I'm interested in doing less. <laughs> 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 okay, I got it right. I have an hour. I'm going to sit at a workbench. Lord have mercy. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, that is, um, it's just ba basically about the crew skills and, and the crafting system. And it was a great article by Ask. I really yeah. like it. And we'll too. have yeah. that in our show notes. Yeah. Oh, well, wait, before we move on, I just wanted to mention, did you notice how he uh, talked about I think like an auction house type scenario in the cities, which we haven't heard about whether, where they're going to be. And some people were worried uh, that you'd be able to do the auction house from your ship also. <laughs> so I thought that he just sort of, sort of addressed that issue um, indirectly. Um, right. Uh, yes. And then he also emphasized the idea that he wanted the, there to be a relationship between the crafters and the raiders. So we have heard that again, but, but you know, I, 
looks like they're still continuing on that path because they don't want you they want everyone to need each other and they sort of they want to sort of force the socialization between <laughs> the two groups um so yeah that's going to be really interesting i think i think so too all right well let's see there was a conference the dice which d-i-c-e stands for design innovate communicate and entertain um they had a conference where doctors ray musica and greg zeschuk were able to participate in a panel with um, other people from the industry uh including mike morhaime from blizzard uh and mark cerny from cerny games and bruce shelley from zynga um so yeah you had all these industry giants and i think i think i don't know were people hoping for a knockdown drag out fight <laughs> between the bioware and the the wow people <laughs> um it didn't happen they were extremely extremely generous and supportive and complimentary of each other so which is good that's the that's the public face you have to present um one thing that i thought was interesting is that uh or significant is that zeschuk said to said about world of warcraft he said look it's a it's a touchstone um he said it has this is a quote it has established standards it's established how you play in an, MM, an mmo and every mmo that comes out i play and look at it and if they break any of the wow rules in my book that's pretty dumb so that um that that was uh, an important you know that's what we've been seeing that they that they are using what works from world of warcraft which you know whatever you think of it is is a game that's highly successful and has a lot of good things about it so um they are building on that there are a couple articles which we'll have links to where's a GameSpot article and a gameindustry.biz article when they both they talk about it it's worth reading it was i, I enjoyed listening to the different takes on the the panel um and also while they were there GameSpot interviewed and there's a video interview which we will also link to where they just talked to um ray musica and greg zeschuk and they didn't really see any say anything particularly exciting or new um they did use the phrase we're in the, the finishing stages so that was good to hear and and um and zestrick again emphasized the importance of the quality of service because, which is good to hear because we all know that you have to have a good launch um so uh well you know it's it and then also didn't you guys it was just kind of nice they're like they really believe in their game it feels like you know they talk about their, their their heroic moments or or the magical moments you know like when you first go on your ship and i i thought ah you know it's really even though we've heard this this so many times it's really nice to hear them talk that way about the game yeah especially I, now yeah, yeah yeah i was just gonna say that it's nice that they seem so just like kind of you know earnest and enthusiastic and i feel like uh you know they talk about the game the way that, like, you know, fans do <laughs> when, when you just think of those moments in games that you really just, like, like and are excited about, and they're, like, excited about it in the way that, you know, their fans are, which is nice. Didn't somebody, I think one of the little testimonials in Blaine Kristen's dev blog wasn't something, if you, if you don't feel something or get it really excited or emotional when you make your first lightsaber then you know you just aren't human or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so those are, those are good to hear. And that is really good. And I, I really think that um, if he can still have that warm, fuzzy feeling as long as they've been working on this game, it's got to be something great. Mm -hmm. It's got to be something special. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And that brings us to our next topic, and that is my dear, dear friend, Logan 24 by 7 from the Old Timers Guild, has a couple of videos that I think are worth mentioning, specifically the one where it does a graphics comparison. What he's done is he has taken, taken graphics from other games and put them in a side-by-side -side screenshot um, to what tour looks like and he has even taken early tour screen footage and compared it against the most recent screen footage mm -hmm. to show you the differences and how much better the quality is in tour um, and I was just amazed. He did a wonderful job. He also did uh, one video um, that showed the running animation. I know that sometimes that seems a little trivial to, 
to talk about how your character runs, but there are other games out there that it doesn't look right. It doesn't look natural to, you know, when your character's running. If you look at Tor, their running animations, they look like it's a person really running, and it feels like it's really running, <laughs> at least in my opinion. Yeah, I like the way in the video when and they, they compare and they have like these titles like running to full stop or running and then stock shot or whatever the trooper does where they just whack, whack the guy with it or run and gun and they show somebody running and shooting at the same time. So it, it's really neat. They show all the different situations. Um, but to go back to that, the first video, which I thought was really excellent, I, I was... Super amazed, and I hadn't really noticed it to look when they do the side by side comparisons of the early tour footage that we've seen, and they talk about how muddy the colors and the details are, and how the face is what a lope has very flat or something like that. And then they compared it to like the newer stuff, and the the difference is really remarkable. Yeah, the difference is really um, different, I guess. <laughs> what <a> terrible <laughs> sentence, <laughs> but because. I mean, we've been following this game for so long that I think it was, this was actually kind of like a shock to me to see it side by side because the, uh, you know, the overall style has remained really consistent and it's easy to forget kind of like how far uh, they've, they've come in, in a couple, in a couple years or I guess a year of like development. And I know he talks about poly count a little in the video and everyone pretty much understands what poly count is, just the, the number of polygons. But what really, really struck me, just on a technical note, is just the um, the uh, the shader pack, or however their their rendering um, solution is being interpolated by the 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 engine that they have. It's so much better now. <laughs> just like if you look at, there was like no specularity or like shininess in materials, which I thought we were just gonna have to you know, give up on because, you know, WoW doesn't have any specularity and it kind of fits in with their sort of like tune shading uh, textures. But, you know, here you get it like on people's eyes and there's like this really nice, like soft luminosity um, with like skin textures and they have everything's kind of like backlit with this nice like rim shader. It's really, it's really impressive. And I don't think I would have noticed how good it was if I hadn't like I've had to look at it side by side with some of the old stuff. So yeah, this is... um. It's it, it, everything's really nice looking and it's shaping up and this is just a really cool video you should check it out. So and I can't help but think that it's just going to continue to get better and better. Absolutely, as yeah. they polish it. Um, so I didn't understand about eighty-five percent of well. what Sam just said, but probably there are people out there yeah. that do. <laughs> All I know is one is better than the other. Oh, yeah. they also I thought was interesting. They talked about how the reason that Tor is, you know, it, they almost have to have this level of complexity and beautifulness yeah. is because of their, the use of their close-ups and cutscenes. You know, your these characters, you get these right in their faces like a yep. movie. Whereas in WoW, they go ahead and they go, most of the time you'd see your character like this, and then they show the typical camera behind the character and the character's face with their back to you. <laughs> That's a really good point, actually, because anyone who's ever played, um, like, Oblivion or any of the, the Morrowind titles, it's like, you know... In they have that really really in depth uh, character creator where you like can you can you're like saying how your face looks and you're changing like you know the millimeters of like the bridge of your nose versus your eyes and then the entire game you either play in first person view or your third person and you literally never see your face ever <laughs> and I always was like why <laughs> why did I spend two hours making this character when I can't I can't see him and so other people will see him oh wait no you can't because it's a it's a single player game <laughs> yeah, sorry and um but you know if you've played Mass Effect or Dragon Age you spend a lot of time just like watching the digital acting of your own character and you become like really attached to the the appearance of your character to the point where if you watch like let's plays on um on youtube of other people's commander shepherd you're like what the hell is this <laughs> <laughs> who is this imposter this is like not the character that i'm used to seeing so <laughs> that's good uh, all right so anyway uh links to both those videos there they're quite entertaining and so yeah Good, good job, Logan. <laughs> um, Yay. All right, so let's move on to our next item, which oh, we just wanted to mention this because we have a, the fan site agreement. We we at, uh, had taken on a sponsor, or a sponsor had taken on us, Guild Launch, and they were very supportive and really nice to work with. And we were just sort of bumbling along, as probably many other fan sites with similar situations. And um, we got the 
we we got the reminder from Bioware of you know the fan site agreement, which if you were like me, it was too long to read very thoroughly. And so you just kind of look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you click it. <laughs> and, and then, you know, you realize you're not, if you're an amateur fan site, uh, like, you know, we sort of consider ourselves to be, you know, you're not really supposed to take on things like sponsorships because Bioware is not able to do the same kinds of things for, for anybody that's supported commercially. So, um, a lot. I guess there was a little bit of a, you know, a dust up in the community because either a lot of people weren't aware of what the agreement was, or, and they they kind of thought hey, this is is this something new, and um, and it, you know it, it really isn't. It's just that that Bioware is reminding us um, about the fan site agreement as they move into the final stages of the game. So we wanted to take this chance to say thank you to Guild Launch. We we um, we appreciate your your previous sponsorship. Um, we made the decision to to stay you know amateur under you know not not commercial so we have um we have uh talked to guild launch and explained our position and they were very gracious so um we all appreciate that also um and it isn't because we had a falling out or anything like that guild launch is we still it's just a great you know a great web or guild hosting services and you know if anything changes in the future we hope to be able to work with them again Okay, well that leads us up to um, a couple of dev items from Georg Zoller. And by the way, I have butchered his name every single podcast <laughs> until it was pointed out that we were pronouncing it wrong. It's not George, it's Georg. Okay, so officially, Georg Zoller. <laughs> anyway, he was talking about the Jedi Guardian and how it now has the option to be played as a single lightsaber dps role and there are a couple of posts there that he talks about that and the high you know the dps that it can do and how it's viable dps but what isn't said is how to get to that dps you know right how do you change is it like a difference you know do you change something i don't know you know or I don't know. It's not like a spec, right? Didn't they just... No, he's using the word option. (laughs) (laughs) So we're not exactly sure how that's going to work. Yeah, I sort of... You know, we actually saw this just minutes before we were setting, st- starting to record, Carla found it. And I just, I just said, I don't even understand what this could possibly mean. It sounds too good to be true. You know, <laughs> guess what? You can be anything <laughs> because you have what the guardian is the tank, right? So we're used to thinking of him with the heavier armor and the single lightsaber. And I think the first hint that we got that something was up was in one of the previous, Friday updates when maybe it was the I can't remember was it the Terrell Five video or something like that but somebody caught like I Darth Hader caught hey look there's a guy that looks like he's a a Jedi Knight but he only has one lightsaber with the lighter armor you know what's up with that <laughs> you know we know that the DPS Jedi Knight is the is the dual lightsaber guy so so I guess this sort of explains that discrepancy but it doesn't really explain to me how that's going to work right. I mean, is it just when they say option, is it something that you just put points into? And if so, does that just mean you just change gear? (laughs) I think to me, it sounds like it's as easy as changing gear, right? I don't don't know. know. Or... (laughs) I don't know. Or as easy as having a dual spec button. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I get the feeling they they are trying to get away from that. So, I don't. I don't know. That would explain. Um, it would ex. Get, it would explain their their position right now. Or wait, they have they decided? You know, how about we talked about last week or last time the advanced class respec? Um, you know, it's like the, some if. Is it going to be permanent or or not? You know, you can't change from. I mean, I would think that if they're taking this position, that you can't change from the the guardian Jedi Knight to the to the Sentinel Jedi Knight. Why are you suddenly, you know, allowing you to mess around with your roles? I don't know. It would it would explain why it it would be it wouldn't be as bad if they couldn't respect if you have this quote option <laughs> to be something else. 
I agree. But we'll see. And and they said, or did you say this already that um, that it's actually you know well how would, would like this guy with this light this one single lightsaber his GPS how would that compare to the to the Jedi Knight that has the two lightsabers the dual lightsaber and, it, and is the proper DPS spec and he said he it's told, you know he told it viable he said right? it's viable yeah. he said you know I don't know if it's quite as good but it's not like the guy you know is so much worse just because he's the the wrong specialization so yes i will look forward to hearing more on that me too all right finally we get to talk about something really fun um in just a couple of weeks or less than a couple of weeks uh, we have pax east coming up and uh, they added that is in boston massachusetts this year it is from march 11th through the 13th, three days, and we are going. I think we've said, announced this before, and uh, there have been a few fun little things in the Dev Tracker talking about PAX East. Uh, they've they've mentioned that Daniel Erickson and James Olin will be there. They have mentioned the that they are going to try. They're thinking of they're arranging for a Saturday night. Meet and greet. This is the official, the official Bioware Star Wars: The Old Republic meet and greet. Um, so th- I think they have not given us a place or an exact time, but uh, but yes. Yeah, so that's Saturday night for for anyone that wants to. I don't know, <laughs> just get the chance to talk to these guys and socialize, and then meet meet the community. Um, they, as we said at the beginning, they're not going to be doing a large panel presentation or or movie or anything like that, but there will be fun activities and prizes at the booth stage um, throughout the whole weekend. Obviously, there are going to be computers there to play the game, and Stephen Reed mentioned some kind of video um, that they will be producing, and he, there, you know, there's a lot of clamor about what exactly that'll be and he said well it'll be it'll be some new stuff and or stuff that we've seen before but maybe with a different take so so um i think what they're trying to do is they're trying to give something to people who can't attend uh so i i'm real excited about that uh and i guess there's also we need to talk about um the it's officially called the star wars the old republic community cantina and this is a gathering not the official one that's going to be on Saturday night, but this one has been arranged with uh, the different podcasts and, and fan sites in our community. So far, um, we have confirmation that representatives from Darth Hader, uh, uh, Moss Eisley Radio, that would be Zach and Brooks, um, Tor Syndicate is sending some people. Uh, there's going to be uh, Larry Everett from Massively, uh, and I think Ask a Jedi, and then Roxanne and I are going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so that that has been decided. We, uh, Darth Hader has been fabulous. They contacted all these different sites. They um, they arranged for everyone to meet at 7 p.m. on Friday at the Times Irish Bar and Restaurant, and that's in Boston. I will we'll make sure to put a link in our show notes with address and <clears throat> I think maybe map directions or something like that. I heard they were keeping an open tab. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a rumor I'm starting just now? <laughs> yeah, Darth Hader's picking up the tab. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, Lord. The people at Darth Hader are going to hide it. I know. That's right. We're in trouble now. We've been just been disinvited. <laughs> anyway, so, so, yes, anyone, you know, that... Uh, you know, that is wanting to come. I think it's open to, obviously, those fan sites that I just mentioned, but it's also for the Star Wars community in general. If you, you know, just come on by, uh, it'll uh, have a Guinness. Um, On Darth Hader. (laughs) Just kidding. It's not true. Is it? I heard that Darth Hader, get mad at Roxanne. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing that I was, Mm -hmm. you know, that we failed to mention, too, about PAX, and I hate to just kind of do a rewind, is... There is a wonderful cell phone application called the Conventionist. Oh, right. And they are going to have the PAX schedule um, about a week before the actual event. And the only reason I mention this is if there are speaker presentations or certain things you want to see, um, in this little uh, cell phone app, but it's not just a cell phone. You can use it on your iPod or your iPad. I mean, they tried to do it for all venues. Um, it can 
put up the schedule so you can see what's going on. You can also map, it can map out your route. So when you want to make a beeline for the BioWare booth, Really? <laughs> you can map out from which entrance you're entering to their booth. Wow. And it's like a they week. have key events. I mean, this is the best little application ever. And I wanted to mention it because I thought this might save a lot of people time. Because I know when I go to a convention, it's so hard to find the booth I'm looking for. Because there's so many people there. And there's so many booths. And... Instead of just walking in a line like the, the drones, you know, everybody else, <laughs> you can just make your beeline to wherever you want to go. Oh, that sounds good. You'll have to put you it know, on your so new that, I thought that was cool. Oh, wow. And also at PAX, even though that they're concentrating on gameplay, does that mean we're not going to hear any news? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, no, have, Carla. I have some cynical read on that. <laughs> I, I know. Like, this is like, well, I was just like, okay. So, I was expecting something monumental to come out of PAX, like release date. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, with all the, when we talked about this on our last podcast, the release date rumors and people are clamoring for the, for when, 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 and maybe we'll find it at PAX East. It's like, well, this is a good way to avoid that. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we're just going to play the game and that's going to be our concentration. Listen, guys, we have a really deep and complicated philosophical reason for not coming out with any news. <laughs> Like part of a very complex marketing strategy where we just give you <laughs> gameplay footage, but you know that's all right. <laughs> I'm just so glad to be going and so glad to be uh, able to play the game. And also, we have got some interviews lined up with some Bioware uh, people. So I just wanted to say to our listeners, if you have any questions, we would. I'm trying to think of some good questions on my own and Carla and Roxanne. I hope. <laughs> and, uh, but if you have any, Absolutely. we would love to hear them. You know, hit our forum hit Twitter, hit our Facebook, anything like that. And, uh, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to hear what you guys would, would like to, you know, hear about. Okay. Well, that brings us up to a few quick mentions. In our last podcast, we mentioned that everybody noticed that the space trailer had disappeared. Well, as soon as we released our podcast, that doggone space trailer just mysteriously reappeared. <laughs> so I think somebody must have been list- listening. Yeah, that's right. You know? No, we fixed it. That's what it was. Oh, <laughs> there. Yeah, we fixed it. Okay. And um, then another really quick mention is that... Gordon Walton, VP and co-general manager of BioWare Austin, leaves for Playdom. Um, he's worked on everything from Reader Rabbit to Ultima Online to The Sims and The Sims Online to Star Wars Galaxies. And we wish him luck at his new endeavors. Also, John Ricitelli, Tiger Seat, whatever. <laughs> I, I butcher him. I butcher him. I'm so sorry, sorry. Italian Americans. That's right. I apologize. I suck at pronouncing games. <laughs> anyway, Tiger CEO speaks more strongly about going after the WoW market share, and we'll have a link to that. It's um, from Gama Sutra. And then the doctors uh, did a presentation at DICE 2011, which we touched on earlier, but it's about the BioWare method. It's about a 30-minute uh, video, and I, I got through most of it and uh, listened to how they, were, they started and what they thought um, worked for them and what might work for others. So I, th- I appreciated listening to it and seeing how they shared their information. And we'll put a link for that if you want to watch it yourself. All right, that sounds like a wrap for the biggest tour news. Strong am I with the Force. Or Jedi. Last time we found out that Kathy believes in relying on the neighbor's good intentions by giving them a chance to do their fair share of the snow shoveling responsibilities. We also found out that everyone else on the podcast knew that human nature tends toward laziness and it's much better to send a strong signal with the passive aggressive tossing of snow onto the (laughs) neighbor's walkways (laughs) i have to say that right after we recorded that session it snowed here and i found myself in the exact situation 
and I decided not to shovel it and say, maybe the other people will shovel it. And of course they didn't. <laughs> and, and then for the next like two weeks, I had to like risk death walking <laughs> on the bumpy icy sidewalk <laughs> to my car every day. Didn't so, we figure out that they moved though? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the people did. <laughs> but that only explained they, about five feet of the They sidewalk. would rather leave the neighborhood than shovel their sidewalk. <laughs> That's how lazy people are. <laughs> so anyway. It's better to go either good or bad, and this waffling around in the middle is not to be done. That's what I learned. <laughs> so, anyway, our scores currently stand at Carla 6, Kathy plus 7, and Roxanne 0. And one day these days, you'll have to do the whole test so that you have a real score. <laughs> Remember, negative scores reflect a dark side tendency, while positive scores reflect a light side tendency. Okay, are you two ready for your Sith or Jedi challenge? Yep. Yep. All right. This is the test of the coffee bar table. You arrive at your local coffee bar early on a Sunday morning with your laptop and a stack of papers from work. You plan to put in a couple of hours of digging through your email and catching up on some reading. After getting your Vente Caramel Macchiato, you go to choose a table. The place is empty now, but you know that soon it will fill up with customers. What do you do? One, take a table that was meant for one or two people. Two, take a larger four-person table so you can spread out in comfort, telling yourself that you'll move when things get a little busier. Or three, boldly take a four-person table and cover it with your laptop and your papers. You have no intentions of moving, even if every other table is taken. Okay, ladies, what do you choose? Okay, there's only one correct answer here, and that is number one. <laughs> this is one of the things that really ticks me off when I see people with their one little chair, and the whole table is covered, and the place is like so busy, and you're standing there looking for a corner to sit down, and there isn't anything available because people are being obnoxious. So I definitely would pick number one. All right, Roxanne, what about you? Um... I don't really see a problem with taking a four-person table if, like, no one's there, and then you can leave if it gets busy, I guess. Also, like, the fact that it bothers me when, like, the people who are spread out on the four-person table, like, you know, aren't even, like, eating food. So I might just, like, buy a cookie every hour or something like that and make it seem like I was, like, a for-reals patron of the cafe. <laughs> because, like, yeah, when there's, like, people and you can tell they've just been, like, hanging out for hours and hours and hours. But, okay. I mean, yeah, I guess two. Because I would, I would leave, I guess. If All more right. Came. Well, Kathy, you have chosen uh, number one, and that is a plus one. You have chosen the light side. You know the coffee bar will get crowded before you're ready to leave, and it is inconsiderate to take up more space than you absolutely need. <laughs> so, in that, Roxanne, you are a neutral path, which means your score is still zero. You have chosen the neutral path. Nothing wrong with using a full-size table when it isn't needed. When it is, you can move. No harm, no foul. And how about you, Carla? Oh, I am so all over number three. <laughs> well, I'm serious. I, you know, when you get there early, and but I am kind of like Roxanne. I would like buy food because I wouldn't <laughs> want to take up the table unnecessarily. You know, I might buy a cookie <laughs> or muffin or something, and I might move part of the paper so one person could sit down at my table with me. Ew, that's gross. <laughs> I would never share my table with a stranger. Oh, I wouldn't mind. I've met some really nice people that way. Oh. <laughs> well, that sounds like a split decision answer to me. <laughs> but I would still, I would want the extra space because I, I like to spread out and organize. So, yeah. All right. Well, let me read you your answer. Uh, you negative one, you have chosen the dark side. You arrived early, so you are entitled to choose whichever table you want. First come, first served. Glare at anyone who dares to ask if they can use one of your chairs. No, because the secret subtext is that she is choosing the four-person table so she can make friends. I yeah, see. There you go. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I think that means, oh, so uh, that means, Carla, you are negative seven. I am plus eight, and Roxanne is still at zero. She's riding that fence. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, you can read all the past Sith or Jedi tests on our site at CorellianRun.com. Please keep score and see which way you lean. All right, that sound means it's time for Community Buzz, where we take a look at the things that fans are talking about. Um, I really loved um, a Dove Tracker post that Daniel Erickson hopped in on, and it raised the whole idea of evil, uh, whether Sith, Sith are actually evil or not. And I thought that was when, remember when we had Amlea on, and I asked her, so when you're playing your Sith quests, do, do these quests seem evil and her response was no i think didn't she didn't she say it just kind of feels right. the same to her um which which surprised me and I, I i'm still not sure if i really quite believe it because there there are you know there have been people out there well in fact I've, i was running a, i came across an interview that drew Carpitian did and um and he said you know this the sith are about power and advancing themselves and doing it through various means that other people don't always approve of and you're pretty much always going to be in that role as a sith and then ask a jedi i said well asked that's one of the big debates and people are wondering that maybe if you're they're a light side sith if you could be if you could be as light as a pure jedi knight and drew carpition said yeah that situation uh that the, the situations you're in don't even allow for that so hmm. so to me I, I pulled well yeah i think the stories that they're writing for the the different sides are 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 going to reflect the um you know the quote evil ofness and uh, and what Daniel Erickson, he posted this really long post and he kind of gets into the whole thing. Well, you know, you have to accept that, that there is objective evil in the world. Um, and once you have made that, you know, assumption, then yes, Sith are evil. And that's the, the phrase he, he looked, he said, and it's, you know, it's the idea that the Sith, uh, is the, they encourage, uh, they encourage you to just step on people on the way up and, you know, to think of yourself first and you don't care about making people slaves. You don't care about hurting people. And, you know, that's kind of our, uh, the Western or the standard definition of, of evil. And, um, and I don't, you know, I think that's great. I actually don't, I, I, what I have a problem with is sometimes when I see people arguing and saying, Sith are not evil. They're, it's just a different point of view. And yeah. I, no. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, my thing is like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to play Sith, don't try to pretend you're not evil. You know, just like fly that flag high and just be proud of it. But, but don't try to just say, well, we're not evil. But, we're but, just but, you know, misunderstood. But the thing is, is that they're going right along with Sith beliefs when they do that. Because what Daniel Erickson also states is Sith, is, you know, he's saying Sith are evil. But what he's also saying in just a couple of paragraphs below that is that Sith, the Sith don't see themselves as evil. So that is very right. much into what everybody's saying when they say Sith is not evil. Well, they don't well, see I themselves think that people as evil. Are trying to, I feel like people try to like sugarcoat it or downplay it. And he's saying that the Sith as an ideology is evil. But like individual people in the Sith Empire could be like good. I mean, it doesn't matter if, like, a serial killer <laughs> thinks that, like, <laughs> he has a real great reason for doing it. It's just objectively, um, you know, we understand that killing people, you know, killing lots of people is, like, wrong. So you can't, it doesn't really matter what they think. It's just that, like, objectively in this world of, you know, objective good and evil that I think probably, like, 90-something percent of culture adhere to... And that Sith are evil. And again, <laughs> I'm going to play the devil's advocate or the Sith advocate. It's the followers of Sith <laughs> oh, <yeah>. philosophy. <laughs> uh -huh. They genuinely, and I'm quoting, genuinely mm -hmm. believe that these things that other people deem as evil are actually in the best interests of a society. So, you know. <laughs> so they're really good at rationalizing. It, absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so well anyway my position is that yeah, yeah well, be I evil. Say, just say you're evil i just think like one more distinction is that there's kind of like if you ever play mass effect and like the idea of like the the paragon versus renegade is that renegade isn't no one will call it evil really it's the um the end justifies the means and maybe it's regrettable that you have to like break a witness's arm but like you you need to know like the information that they have but the sith don't even think they don't think that like torturing people 
hurting people is regrettable and justifies the means. They're like totally into that, like the power domination of like weaker people. So that that is the part that's evil, not the part, not specifically the actions, but the the kind of mind frame that they take towards those actions where there's it's totally they don't need to rationalize it because they absolutely believe that like it's all right to like to kill innocents. It's all right to do stuff as long as you are like furthering like you know the power of like your people. But so that's what's evil. <laughs> but they also go I mean Daniel Erickson goes back to say that it's very important to remember that you don't have to believe in any of this to play on the empire side. He said, yep. because you can be the exception to the rule right. and you can be just a person that was, uh, had the misfortune of being born on the empire side. The misfortune. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think well, my favorite quote in this article is he said, um, being a good man in a bad place is one of the all time great role playing options. Absolutely. And that's really great. But the only reason that that is compelling is if you believe that the Sith ideology truly is evil. Because if it's all just like, a, you know, crazy and uh, like things in context, it's not evil, it's not good, then it doesn't matter if you're the one person standing alone among your ranks trying to do the good thing. It's just dramatically, it, it's so much more important if we just accept that like the Sith is evil, Republic is good, and you use those like terms to define your role-playing role. Yeah, like, see, within I think faction. my favorite sentence in this entire entire article that he did was um let's see if i can find it really quick you to in order to get into character it's you are going to feel the anger of a Mm -hmm. people who were told that they didn't have the right to exist and that they were chased out of all known space so if we want to blame somebody blame the republic (laughs) Because, yeah, because they did it. They tried to annihilate the entire Sith race. Mm -hmm. So feel that burnt up anger and use it. Yeah, this is a real, this is a really great post. I I like it because it, that totally makes sense. I love the idea that if you play on Sith, you're going to have all these gradations of like, well, how much do you believe just like the pure ideology or like, is history more important to you? Because it's kind of like, you know, I hate to keep bringing up World War Two, but it's awesome because it's like if you think about, yeah, ba- like, you know, Nazis who believed all the crazy stuff that, like, you know, Hitler was saying and, uh, you know, that obviously we can all. <laughs> Sorry, my cat is attacking my microphone. <laughs> I don't think Nazis are hilarious. <laughs> it's like yeah because i think the closer that you get to any just like pure ideology thing the more that it's it's like harder to just get behind it and it's a lot uh easier to get behind like you know the the civilians people who maybe weren't in the national socialist party like people who like had to live through the bombing of dresden stuff like that you know because obviously the republic trying to wipe out everyone and committing genocide, there's, you can't say to a man that, like, the people in the Sith Empire were, like, evil. And, I mean, Daniel Erickson says as much here, Mm because they're, like, as an ideology, they're evil, but there are people who are just, like, it's war. They're, like, casualties, and they're people who are just kind of caught up in all of that. And it's reasonable to, um, you know, feel wronged by the Empire and to be legitimately angry and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, good conversation. <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay, that leads us to will social hubs suffer? Georg Zoller talked about, and he's we've got a link to like three different threads where he talks about your companion being able to sell all the grays, and then that led to people saying, you know, well, then people are not going to leave their ships, and they're not going to have social interaction or go to main main hubs and, and talk, and that goes back also into where Damien Schubert announced that your cargo hold is your bank, and um, that led... Um, Larry Everett at uh, massively to on his hyperspace speaking column to talk about is you know the game 
more for solo, you know, solo players instead of having to go to these social hubs. Like with in Star Wars Galaxies, we all had to go to the cantina and watch the dancers or dance or do whatever. And and people are seem to be very afraid that some of these small minor interactions like selling greys you know, your companion going to sell grace is going to stop you from being at a, you know, going to a social hub, um, right. you know, to, to chit chat with other people or to interact or, or whatever. What are your, your thoughts? Yeah. I, <laughs> I really thought the selling grace thread was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, their first, com- one of the first complaints in, in the thread uh, was, from that was connected to Georg Zoller responding was, well, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of like, it just sounds too easy. It should at least, you know, you should have to spend the same amount of time that you would have taken uh, rather than just being able to send your, your companion off. It's like too unrealistic. And I'm thinking, well, what? (laughs) All right. Well, in that case, are we going to build in hours of travel time? Because it really is pretty unrealistic that it only takes you, you know, 20 seconds to go from planet to planet or however long the load screen is going to be. And I just thought that was, that was dumb. The second complaint about, yeah, the, the taking away of the opportunities for people to go into town and to sell their grays and so, so have missed the socialization opportunities. I guess that has more merit, but I but I really feel and 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 Georg Zoller himself comes in. He's like, we just don't feel that that selling your grays is something that's gonna is you know is gonna really lead to all these awesome opportunities. And there's other there are other ways that you you can go to town and and still and still feel like you're in an MMO. So I I was really I when I first read that I thought that was just kind of silly. Yeah, that seemed like a really weird thing uh, to me for people to latch on to. And they're like, no, like, you shall not touch my like vendor trash abilities because that is what I love about WoW the most. Where That to me, it doesn't say that people like love um, the idea of, you know, vendoring off grays. It's just that... You know, we're they're so used to the WoW formula that any any slight variation or change to it is kind of like shocking to them, or they're not they're not sure. I think uh, was it Georg Zoller who wrote this, right? Mm-hmm. He, he actually he used the term like comfort zone in his response post. He's like, I can understand how this would be out of someone's like comfort zone, and I I can't understand why it would. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think that's totally what this is about. That people are they're like. They're not. They're just so unwilling to let go of like little changes. I like um, like Kathy. I totally understand, or I don't agree with, but I get why people would be a little like conscious of the social hub thing and how the uh, their importance might be downplayed a little. I think that vendoring grays is the worst possible, um, like example (laughs) of something that could potentially turn into a social interaction um like auction houses i get like pvpqs like i get but like there's there's no way there's no way that like a bunch of people are gonna come forward and be like oh there are so many lasting friendships that i made in game that started with me like selling toenails (laughs) like (laughs) it's just it's dumb i mean uh, bioware is obviously really conscious about uh, pacing and balance and this is somewhere that they obviously felt like it was like safe to like you know to cut down on on some of the you know the the just like extra stuff and streamline things and it just it really it more amuses me than agitates me that people are trying to cling to it you know yeah (laughs) well see my whole thing is is i think that that whole thing was overblown because I, I keep having in the back of my mind um, how earlier on Bioware stated that can you see um, Darth Vader go on the side of the road and pick flowers? You know, that's why we have the crew and mm-hmm. our companions to do our crafting for us. Well, that's the same thing as selling these menial grays. You know, that's not going to stop me from going to a, a hub and yeah, want to play a game or, you know, go to the, the cantina or see the sites. Your trainers are there. There's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of reasons to be there. I agree. Yep. And and I really, I mean, it got to the point where, and, you know, he, bless his heart, Georg Zoller is just 
making these really long, thoughtful responses. And at, at some point, I'm like, you know, just stop, stop, stop doing this. Go work on the game so we can play it because, <laughs> because you shouldn't be spending so much time on this ridiculous issue. <laughs> but oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> what a good guy. Um, now, as for Larry Everett, I feel like maybe he did have a little bit more of a point. Um, and I can, I actually had a conversation with him and he was, um, you know, my, my first reaction is like, well, you know, maybe this is, it's like, what, what exactly when you're hanging around standing at your mailbox, you know, like how often do you actually talk to the people nearby? And, um, you know, and I, it's like most of my social interaction is just being annoyed by somebody who's throwing up a guild charter, you know, in World of Warcraft, and <laughs> I'm just like, clicking it to go away. Uh, um, and I, I really felt like it's like that doesn't seem like I'd be losing that much. But he had a point. He, you know, I said unless you're talking about just atmosphere, you know, all the people leaping around, and you know, you get to look at their like that new mount that they're riding or something mm-hmm. like that. And and he said, yeah, that is that is definitely something that that it's just sort of this nebulous feeling that you get, you know, like I'm in an MO and you get, and it's cool to see the people around you. And, and from that standpoint, I can, I can definitely ag- agree with the worry. Now I, I, I said to him, well, you know, I hope, I hope what we're going to see instead maybe is instead of the pointless gathering at a mailbox, there, there may be Bioware in this game is going to develop other places for real socialization, like a cantina where we'll get to, there'll be maybe mini games like Pazak or something. And, um, you know, or like you were talking about the, the dancers. <laughs> um, so, so I, I hope that, you know, it'd be, and it would, and that's kind of the way, the way they do things for the game. They, they try to replace a pointless mechanic with one that actually makes sense in terms of the story and why you're there. And so I, I hope that that's what we're going to see. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, we'll have a link to Larry's column, which is definitely worth reading, and um, and the other Dev Tracker posts. All right, I guess that just about wraps it up for us for this episode. Um, we want to thanks, uh, thanks, thank, give our thanks again to Guild Launch for their early help with us, and, uh, and thanks to Darth Hader for doing the legwork and organizing the tour community for this Cantina event at PAX East. And to any of you out there who would like to contact us, you can do it through our website at carlianrun.com. Our email is carlianrun at gmail.com. And you can also find us through Twitter and Facebook. Or you can leave us a voice message at 281-766-4511. And we'd really like to take your suggestions, comments. If you have questions for any of the interviews that we're going to be doing at PAX, we'd love to hear your voice questions, so please give us a call. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Zune. We've seen a big uptick in our listener downloads. If you like what you hear, we'd very much appreciate it if you just take a few minutes and leave us a review on iTunes. That wraps it up for us here at Corellian Run Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again soon. Until next time, I'm Carla. And I'm Kathy. May the Force be with you. And may rivers of chocolate run through your hallways while your live animatronic ogre lurks in your basement. You have been listening to Corellian Run Radio, a Star Wars The Old Republic podcast. Tune in next time to hear Kathy say... A live animatronic ogre. Is that even possible? And transmission.